Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Game World Cup Daily from The Times. I'm Natalie Sawyer and thank you for joining us. We have been here every match day of the World Cup, podcasting after 10 o'clock UK time every night. And for many of you listening, it is the most painful match day of the lot. England bow out at the semi-final stage in extra time after Croatia came from behind to win in Moscow with Mario Mandzukic getting the winning goal. In the studio with me, Matthew Said. Matthew, we've been through it all tonight, haven't we? It was a match of extraordinary emotional intensity. And that is inevitable because of the stakes, the rarity that precious rarity of the England team getting to a semi-final of the World Cup. I'm sure the whole nation was tense watching the match. It started gloriously. I mean, a lot of people thought it would be nervy and tentative, given the stakes, given that each team had a shot at sporting immortality. And yet one team started with pace, with vigour, with intent, and that was England. And after Trippier's absolutely magnificent free kick... They had their opponents wavering and on the ropes and I think we were watching it together and I think both of us reflected on the fact that by not capitalising on those early chances to get a two-goal lead, it may come back to bite England and it did. But all told, it's been a, a good performance by England. I think the nation has come together in a way that only the World Cup can uh, facilitate and you know I think they'll come back with tremendous pride. Jonathan Northcroft joins us now from the Luzhniki Stadium. And Jonathan, it's a sad end to what's been a wonderful month for England. Yeah, it's been a wonderful month. Um, I I felt that they left everything. Um, They put everything they could into that game tonight. And it's a strange feeling watching them with a mixture of admiration and sympathy. Um, And that's a very, very different uh, vibe to, to watching England going out of previous tournaments where... You know, your, your mind sort of races to everything that's wrong. I mean, there's so much right with England. Um, they just, you know, they, they, they just fell short against a team that had a little bit more class than them, I, I felt, tonight. But they've got nothing to reproach themselves for at all. And um, I think once once everyone picks themselves back up, they'll, they'll understand this has been a real step forward this summer for, for English football. Jonathan, it was a dream start for England when Kieran Trippier put them ahead after only five minutes. Uh, Ollie Kay has written for the Times about Trippier's tournament, his first England goal, and for many, he has been England's player of the tournament. Yeah, I think I think if you if you're looking at maybe two England players that would go into the, you know this kind of team of the tournaments, well, three maybe actually, I'd, I'd certainly say he's he's been absolutely brilliant. He's become a world class player in front of our eyes. Uh, at this tournament, probably the best right back here, um, and alongside Jordan Pickford and, and John Stones are the other two that I would think of. Um, you know, would be the England's best players. And it's a shame for Trippier that he picked up that nasty-looking injury at the end, because um, you know he would he would be coming off this and 
hope we just sort of bounce into the club season and I just hope that, um, that that's not going to affect him in those terms. In the game this morning, you can read the expert views of Matthew, former Chelsea striker Tony Cascarino, World Cup winner Patrick Vieira and European champion Rude Hullett. Uh, Matthew and I watched the game alongside Tony and the chief sports reporter for the Times, Martin Ziegler. And here's their reaction and mine to that Trippier opener. Oh, yeah! Kieran Trippier, again, his right foot has been absolutely wonderful in this tournament, whether it's been creating, like we've just seen from a dead ball situation. Perfect start for England. I really don't believe Croatia have got goals in them. Things just don't happen like this for England, do they? It just, you know, it just seems to happen, this tournament. This, they get settled down really early on. It's an incredible start. What a fantastic free kick. If that had been Neymar or Messi, people would be saying, you know, he's absolutely sensational. And, and it was. How did the game get away from England after that, Jonathan? Well, I felt watching it, and I felt this at the time, that England would, they started so well. They put so much into that first 20, 25 minutes. They had Croatia pushed back. Modric wasn't getting on the ball. Um, Rakitic was, was sort of an effect where England were using that pace. And you just, it, it, you just felt England needed to win the game during that period. You know, because at this level, you don't, you don't dominate a game for 90 minutes. You, you got to sort of take your, your chances when you're on top. And they didn't get that second goal. And I think as England got a little bit more tired, um, Modric and, and Rakitic started to run the game. Um, and, you know, by the end, there was a bit of a gulf in, in, in the middle of the pitch. Anyway, in terms of class, and, and you know that, that Croatia team's got four or five really top players, mature players in the prime of their careers, who who maybe had a bit more know-how as well how to how to win the game. So, as I say, looking back on that first 20, 25 minutes, if England had scored a second goal, I think they'd have been in the World Cup final. But ifs and buts. But on 69 minutes, Ivan Perisic equalised, uh, getting across Trippier and Walker to volley in. And Croatia were a team transformed after that, going for the killer blow. Uh, Matthew, how can you explain the, the swing in momentum and how a team's performance can change so drastically? Well, a goal, of course, is a detonation of sort of not just statistical significance, but psychological too. You know, you are leading, you are heading into the final, and then suddenly the opposition score and you are facing the prospect of being eliminated and I I do think there was a small period I think panic is overdoing it but there was a short period in that second half where England really did start to lose some of the decision making that had had such clarity for such a long time and as we know in football that can prove contagious, and it did seem to afflict many of the players in the team, certainly a critical mess. They did recover. They regained composure. At the beginning of the first period of extra time, they looked as if they were coming on strong and were thinking creatively. I also think they played a little bit too deep. They invited Croatia onto them, invited a bit of additional pressure. Um, but you, you're absolutely right. That was an absolutely critical moment in the match. It changed the entire feel of it, the complexion of it. Um, but I'm just left with this deep sense of sadness, really. Those opportunities, they're so rare to get to a World Cup final. And it was there for the taking. Croatia were reeling. We had those chances and didn't quite capitalise. Perisic then hit the post. There were some hugely nervy moments for England at the back, as described by Tony Cascarino. You know, we saw in, in the Champions League final an amazing change around when Liverpool started so brightly in 20 minutes. 
But for an hour, I didn't think Croatia offered hardly anything to, to, to worry England. And in 15 minutes, we've seen two or three incredibly nervous, edgy moments, which we haven't seen all tournament under Gareth Southgate. Um, whether the guys are in a situation of slight panic, I don't know. But the composure that was there and so pivotal to what England were about has gone away from them. And at the moment, I've gone from seeing our, you know, feeling Croatia have got nothing really to worry England into thinking, how are England going to win this game? Jonathan, we've given so much praise to Gareth Southgate in this tournament. But was there any question marks, do you think, uh, over his substitutions? A little bit. I mean, I felt he certainly needed to change something in the middle. And I was doing a colour piece for the Times and I was writing about the midfield and that's what I was writing about, that the Henderson was being overrun, he was getting tired. Um, you know, Gareth did have an option to, to bring on either Delph or Dyer alongside Henderson and, and try going with two more defensive players there. I guess he didn't because, um, you know, he's played the whole tournament on the front foot and he wanted to continue playing on the front foot. And I, I sort of get that. I'd also say that, you know, Dyer and Delph weren't that great in, in the B-team game when they got their chance. So maybe it was a form thing as well. Um, but, you know, ta- maybe tactically that, that was time to try something different. Um, certainly one of the things that, I'll hope to ask him if, I, if, if, if we Sundays get the chance to sit down with him before the end of the tournament here. Mandzukic nipped in for Croatia three minutes into the second half of extra time, sweeping the ball past Pickford. John Stones, who was arguably England's best player, caught sleeping. And here was the reaction of Cascarino and Ziegler. The fatigue of the game has taken its toll on England like it would do Croatia as well. But, you know, it ends up Perisic winning a great header against Trippier. Slightly makes a difference. Um, John Stones has gone to sleep. Mandzukic, who's, you know, naturally as a striker, has just got in, in a position behind the back line and now England find themselves behind. And uh, it's been a really strange end to the second half and certainly the extra time because England, I felt, just come off the gas slightly. And we all felt that the, the team that would suffer the most would be Croatia and it's been probably the other way around. Croatia have been by far the better team since half-time. They've deserved it. All you can say, maybe it's a bridge too far for England. I think Mandzukic is a fantastic striker. He's one of the most underrated players in the world for me, actually. So, first of all, I thought it was brilliant by him to be kind of on the move the way he was, to be so alert. Um, And it was a pretty good finish. But, yeah, I guess Stones hesitated just a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm loath to sort of, you know, want to blame him in any way for, you know, say, for, for this defeat. I just think he was magnificent. Again, he was a leader at the back. If he did make a mistake, that was the only one he made. He almost scored another goal from a header. Um, but, yeah, OK, in that, in that instant, then, yeah, maybe maybe it was sort of 50, 50% him hesitating a bit and 50% brilliance from Mandzukic. Well, Matthew, getting to the semi-finals certainly galvanised this country and they allowed us to, to believe again, didn't they, with, with their performances. And it certainly felt as though club loyalties were put aside and everyone was back in love with England. I think that's really important. So I, you're talking about the fans falling in love yes. with England and not being divided by club loyalties. But I think in a funny kind of a way, that happened because it reflected a sense within the England camp that the players had put aside their club differences to unite behind the England concept. And that's quite 
distinct from what happened in the past, where there would be club cliques, where people wouldn't quite, you know, people have admitted, players have admitted openly that they still had the fundamental loyalty to their club and not to their country. And I think the reason that the, the nation swung so heavily behind this young team, this exciting team, is because they sensed that they had all bought into the England team, that this was the fundamental priority. And they were going to play for each other. And not just the players on the pitch, the players who weren't selected apparently were absolutely hugely important in the way they trained and that no resentment was allowed to fester about their non-selection. I get the impression from Southgate's answers and interviews that that was something that moved him. And Jonathan, just if you can put into words, what was the mood of the England fans like at the full-time whistle in the stadium? You know what, it, it, was, it was quite a moving thing to watch, you know, and I'm, yeah, it was, can't point out enough that I'm not, I'm not English, so I don't want to try and, uh, you know, guess really how everyone's feeling too much. But I, I, just as a sort of sort of interest in neutral, I was I was quite moved looking at it really because there was a real bond between the fans and the players at the end. The players, um, you know, kind of sat or stood in front of of the England fans for a good ten minutes, um, soaked it all in, and the fans didn't stop singing for them and. Your mind just went back to to Nice two years ago when, you know, the England just, England players just they wanted the ground to swallow them up, and and so did the fans that horrible night against horrible day against Iceland, uh, and I've seen a few England exits where it's all very sour and bitter at the end, and 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 this is a completely different vibe, and and what England need to do is bottle that, uh, try and keep it and and take it forward because the next tournament is is virtually a home one. The week isn't over, Jonathan, for England. They've got the third-place playoff against Belgium on Saturday. Uh, England finished fourth at Italian 90, so third place would be their second-best-ever finish after 1966. So how seriously should they take this game? Well, it's funny. I just spoke to someone from someone from the FA who was, who was sort of making the, the, the joke that, you know, seeing one England B v Belgium B game is enough for one lifetime, let alone having to see two in one tournament because we could see the B teams out again. It could be a rerun of, of, of that last group game. Um, I think Harry Kane will want to play because he'll want to just nail down that golden boot. Um, but, uh, you know, I think Gareth will want to try and reward some of the lads that haven't really been on the pitch that much. Um, and he might, I mean, what, what often happens in these situations when the team's gone out, um, the manager uses the last game to kind of try and point towards the future. I remember Roy Hodgson trying to do that against Costa Rica in the last World Cup. So maybe the, you know, the Loftus Cheeks and, and Trent Alexander-Arnold will be on the pitch for that reason. Um, I mean, I have to be honest, I have to be totally honest, I'm not particularly looking forward to reporting on it because it just feels a bit of an empty game. But when you put it like that, Natalie, that, that England have never been third in a, at a World Cup, you know, before they've won it, they haven't been any any higher than than fourth. And yeah, maybe that is something to, to try and motivate the team and play for. Looking at this positively, Matthew, the front page of the game pullout today states this is just the beginning. England teams throughout the different age groups have been winning tournaments and this is the youngest England World Cup squad ever. Uh, there is a plan in place here, isn't there, with the FA and Gareth Southgate? I think that's a really important point. I think we're world champions under 17 and under 20 yeah. um, last year. 
there is a, a blueprint, a plan, a philosophy that underpins what the FA is trying to do. And, you know, it's so easy as a journalist to critique the FA and to say it's a bunch of suits with no real understanding about football. But let's give tribute to Gareth Southgate, but also Martin Glenn, the chief executive, uh, Dan Ashworth, the performance director, because they were responsible for hiring Southgate, putting the infrastructure in place, St George's Park, and a number of other innovations and reforms that I think have been very conducive to what we've seen over the last year and a half. We should build, we should give ourselves every chance we have Do I think we'll have a chance quite like that to make the world final in the rest of my life? I think probably we will, but I have to admit there's a chance we won't. So football could still come home. It could still come home. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The Game. World Cup Daily from The Times with Natalie Sawyer. Head to Talk Sport at three on Saturday to hear live commentary of the third place playoff, England taking on Belgium. And then it is the World Cup final. France versus Croatia is live at four o'clock on Sunday on Talk Sport. And we have a competition for our listeners. If you correctly predict the final score and winning team of the World Cup final, you can be in with a chance of winning an Amazon Echo worth £90. Open to UK residents aged 18 and over. The competition ends at 1.59pm on Sunday the 15th of July 2018. To enter and for full terms and conditions, go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash win. Good luck. Gab Marcotti is also at the Luzhniki Stadium. He's been watching Gareth Southgate's post-match press conference. And Gab, how would you best describe Southgate's mood? Well, it's funny. I mean, it's it's what you get from Southgate, right? So he was very, very cognizant of the fact that, you know, he's very proud of these players, very proud of where they got. Uh, He talked about how the expectations are going to be necessarily going to be higher next time around. Um, But then... You know, he, he also said, look, you know, now's not really the time to go and talk about how proud I am because I also recognize the fact that, you know, and I'm paraphrasing here, you know, we, we, we had, we take, we took the lead in the World Cup semifinal and, um, and we didn't do it. And, and so, you know, right now, I don't just want to throw it forward and, and kind of be all happy, you know, and, and I thought that was pretty, I don't know, I, I appreciated that as well because, you get a lot of managers who just, you know, just spin things one way or another. And, uh, and and he didn't do that. I think he was honest. Well, I mean, Gab, we do feel here in England that the team have done the country proud. What is the view of the European media on this England side? And do they think we've just been getting carried away by it all? Well, no, I mean, I think, first of all, they, I think, like people in England, and again, we can't generalise about the entire European media, but I think, there's a general sense that, like the, the media, I think the people in England, you know, they appreciate Gareth Southgate, the way he presents himself, um, you know, the way that 
you don't have the bluster, you don't have the controversy, you don't have the tabloid nonsense that you've had in uh, in previous World Cup. And I think, you know, that's undoubtedly um, made England more likable. I think a lot of people have, have been pretty clear about that. Um, you know, beyond that, I think there's a lot of admiration for the set pieces. I think I'm right in saying nine of, or only three goals came, uh, of 12 goals came uh, from open play. Uh, obviously, I think that that's, that's been worked on. Um, and so there's an appreciation for that, an appreciation, I think, for the for the defensive structure. But by the same token, you know, realization that there's a reason the vast majority of these players aren't starters at, at top clubs, uh, you know, unlike the past. Uh, and that's because, you know, they're right now anyway, there's, they're not as good taken as individual footballers, even though they've obviously achieved more as a team. Than, uh, than some of the sides that came before them. Uh, Gab, you mentioned Gareth Southgate's uh, press conference and how he said within that that expectations will rise. Do you think there's more to come from this England team? I think there has to be, right? I mean, he spent the whole tournament telling us how young they were and really fights not so much use as it is in experience. But, you know, you look at a guy like Raheem Sterling and if certain newspapers don't go and terrorize him to the point that he leaves the country, um, you know, he's, this is a guy who, who will get better. Uh, Marcus Rashford, Harry Maguire, I mean, John Stones, all these people, you would assume that their best years are, are ahead of him. But, uh, you know, it was also evident tonight, uh, you know, Southgate uh, used the term uh, sort of how the Croats were, were hardened warriors, um, but not just they were tougher, but, you know, their minds remain clear and they made better decisions. And, you know, that's something that, that comes from experience, that comes from a tactical analysis, that comes from being able to, to read situations. And, you know, that's a situation where, or, or that's an area rather, where, you know, England aren't quite there yet. We should give huge credit, Gab, to Croatia, a nation of less than five million, a country the same size as Ireland. Uh, they've reached their first ever World Cup final. It's astonishing, really, what they've achieved so far. Oh, it's absolutely remarkable. It's, it's not just that. It's the, the fact that this Croatia side, you know, right now, uh, it's still very much a country divided. I mean, Luka Modric getting hate mail and death threats, um, you know, because of, I'm sure you can... I won't go into it because it's a complicated case, but his association with a, a rather unsavory character who left the country named uh, um, Stravko Mamic. The fact that, beyond that, the fact that these players, you know, in each of the of the three knockout rounds, Croatia went a goal down. Now, you just, just think in knockout rounds, we're all told about how, you know, it's so much easier to play with a lead and, and how, you know, you, uh, if you go a goal down, then you're in trouble and whatnot. Well, these guys, three different occasions, they managed to claw their way back. They really are. Uh, they really are the ultimate never say die team. And Gab, we have on previous podcasts spoken about that midfield for Croatia, and you briefly mentioned Luka Modric before. Uh, Rude Hullet in the Times says Modric rose above the fatigue and was the difference. He's of course a multiple-time Champions League winner with Real Madrid. He ran himself into the ground tonight in Moscow. Really showed his class, and he's what at least ninety minutes away to captaining his country to the World Cup. Yeah, I mean, on this occasion, I would actually disagree with. Was rude a little bit um, in the sense that I don't think this is Modric's best performance that we've seen. 
said he was quiet for long stretches. I mean, he certainly battled the way everybody else did. But for me, the guys who, who really stood out in that midfield, and, and I think it also shows you this is definitely not a one-man team, but um, I thought Ivan Perisic, uh, who was voted man of the match, was exceptional, but also Marcelo Brozovic. Um, this was a guy who really, who really anchored that midfield and, and took on you know, more and more uh, attacking responsibility uh, as well as the match wore on. Uh, what I liked and what was, you know, I think indicative really of the spirit of um, of this Croatia side was uh, there was one sequence where Modric lost the ball to uh, to Marcus Rashford and and he he chased Rashford down, tackled him, won the ball back, and went out of bounds, and then he sort of sat there despondent on the ground, knowing that you know Rashford had nicked the ball away from him originally and spurning his chance to shoot and. Uh, and then hey, the, the teammates from Riverside came over and just kind of like uh, patted him on the cheek and sort of told him to get up. And, you know, you think of sort of a relatively junior player doing that to your captain. It gives you a sense of how united uh, these guys are. Little gestures that you saw during the game. And, and then really a case of players just drawing strength from each other. We'll be giving you a Times trivia teaser question every day on every podcast as provided by Times statistician Bill Edgar. Last time out, we asked you, Sir Alf Ramsey is the only manager to have won the World Cup with England, but against which nation did he lose his first match 5-2 in 1963? The answer was France. No France versus England meeting in the near future, sadly. Our teaser for you today. At the 2002 World Cup, the third-place playoff was contested by two teams who, aside from that year, have never even reached the quarterfinals. Who are those two teams? Tune in to our next podcast to find out that answer. That's it for now. Many thanks to my guests today, Matthew Said, Jonathan Northcroft, Gab Marcotti, Martin Ziegler and Tony Cascarino. Subscribe to The Times and The Sunday Times to enjoy award-winning journalism online and on your smartphone or tablet for just a pound a week for your first eight weeks. Search The Times subscription for more information. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast supplier. And we'll be back on Saturday night after England's final game of the World Cup in Russia. The game is brought to you by The Times. For more information and more podcasts from The Times, head to thetimes.co.uk.